Welcome to Stars and Roses, the podcast that recaps The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and Bachelor in Paradise through the lens of astrology and the zodiac. I'm your host, Hannah Piper Burns, and I can't wait to give you the celestial lowdown on everyone's favorite reality TV dating shows. Thank you so much for coming on this journey with me. Hello and welcome to Stars and Roses. I'm Hannah Piper Burns and I'm the metaphysical anthropologist of Bachelor Nation. It is week five. Welcome. We are in Thailand and uh, it is a crucible. (laughs) I hadn't mentioned this before, but this is actually pretty early to be leaving the mansion and traveling the world. Most seasons of both The Bachelor and The Bachelorette feature a week or two at least in various U.S. locations. For So like for Becca's season, they went to Virginia for a while and the now disgraced Governor Northam addressed them. Um, and JoJo went to uh, Nima Colon, I want to say, Pennsylvania, this resort. And um, for perspective of where we're at in this journey, Sean Lowe had his first date with his now wife, Catherine, on week six. So not only does that mean that Katie, Sydney, and Kirpa still have a shot, god damn it, uh, but two, it means we have a lot left to go, folks. We've already been teased with one-on-ones for Heather and Cassie, and we've also been teased with a Substantial amount of drama, including Colton appearing to walk off into the ocean. And we know that that drama is not coming from Heather or Cassie because they are both extremely boring. (laughs) Sorry about it. Um, Heather gets the first of the one-on-ones. And of course, they're teasing this, uh, you know, imminent first kiss very hard. She shows up in this beautiful, I really liked her outfit. It was very simple. Really shows off the hair. Her hair is amazing. We'll get back to that in a second. She's like whipping it. She's throwing it around. She's putting her hands through it and kind of like doing that shake. Really good hairography, Heather. I got to hand it to you. And the early part of this episode, of course, cuts back and forth between Heather, who's anticipating her first kiss, and Elise, who is cracking under the pressure of early one-on-one syndrome. You know, she got close to him really fast, and now she has to sit back and wait her turn, and she's crashing really hard off of that high, and really starting to struggle and grapple with this journey, and resenting the lack of, say it with me, validation. She needs it. She needs it. After a date that she feels like it was straight out of a romance novel, I don't know which one she's talking about, Elise. There's no cowboys. There's no pirates. Um, there's no uh, rich uh, barons of ty- oil tycoons. We'll let that slide. I understand. Uh, it hit all the right notes. Um, so it's interesting that we're cutting back and forth between the two of them because I looked up their placements and they actually have some noted similarities. And I'll get into that. Uh, in a second. I think it's a really interesting comparison piece that works both with the arc of the show and with uh, this discussion that we're having about astrology. So we're back to Heather. 
and Colton, they have taken these boats, a boat, I guess, just the one, to a floating city where they are exploring the market and they're uh, feeding each other sexy aphrodisiacs like shrimp and noodles. So sexy, sexy food. There's a very tasteful pun, very much intended, mouth montage. And yeah, you know, Colton has really nice teeth. I'll give him that. Uh, They just photograph really well. He can handle HD close-up. Good for him. They have this um, sort of protracted moment at the water's edge, and it's really clear. It's like sort of sunset, and they're talking about, this is so beautiful. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And you can tell it's really clear they both want to kiss, but Colton probably doesn't want to disrespect her boundaries because he doesn't really understand, you know, why. She hasn't been kissed yet, and he doesn't want to put her in a position, I don't think, where she's uncomfortable. And, like, clearly she wants it, but she doesn't know how to ask for it. She, uh, so her son is in Libra. But interestingly enough, she has her Venus and Mars in Leo. And not to be basic, but that totally explains the hair. (laughs) Um, I've said that before. I'll say it again. So usually this kind of Venus-Mars combo, uh, both in Leo, is an indicator of somebody who's direct, who gets swept up in the moment of passion, and who needs to be adored. They really need passion. They thrive on attention. Libra is a sign that can be considered indecisive. So it kind of makes sense that she wants him to make the first move. Uh, Back in the B-plot with Elise... The date card arrives for the group date, and by process of elimination, we know Cassie has the one-on-one, and uh, I love that she says she's like, I'm not going to beg for alone time, which is such a proud, stubborn, Torian thing to say, and Elise is like visibly wincing at all of this, and she is a Leo. She wants to feel that warmth, that sun, that spotlight, you know, and on a group date, that's really hard to do, although not impossible, as we will find out later. So back to Heather, she's changed into this kind of shell pink bodycon number, and he's in pink too, which I thought was really cute. And they're at dinner, even though (laughs) they must be full from all the shrimp and the noodles that they fed each other. Actually, that's probably good because uh, in case you hadn't noticed, nobody eats on the dinner dates. Fun fact. He asks her about her dating history because he's trying to get to the bottom of this mystery of never been kissed. And she reveals that she was in an eight month relationship with someone and never kissed them because she just wasn't feeling it enough. Apparently he was perfect on paper, as they say. So she kept trying to make it work, even though she didn't like him enough to kiss him. And pardon me for being a little crass, but I thought, her generation, which by mean, I mean, Pluto and Sagittarius, like, I don't know. Again, maybe I'm in a weird filter bubble that doesn't include Bachelor Nation most of the time. That's entirely possible. I see so many memes about eating ass, you know, like you would just, I I just assume everybody that's younger than me is way more confident and kinky and uh, open. Anyway, 
I'm just boggled. I'm boggled by all of this. And I really, more than anything, want to know about this guy and what his placements are. Because I don't understand how you would stay with someone for eight months unless it was under this extreme Christian Courtney, courtly love, not Courtney love, (laughs) courtly love paradigm. And it doesn't have to be Christian, any orthodox, any orthodoxy that instills this kind of um, courtship structure that is not dissimilar necessarily to The Bachelor. Anyway, so yes, if anything, I'm more confused than I was before. And then Colton gives her the rose, even though they still haven't kissed. And I'm like, okay, she's a literal witch. I get it. It's, that's it. You know, she's a sorceress and her hair is the source of all of her power. And then they're twirling around on the beach and everything is unbelievable this, unbelievable that. And it's nighttime. And of course, fireworks start going off and that startles both of them. And I thought that was real cute. And actually, normally when this happens, uh, they keep the rest of the women in a hotel that's like near to where the fireworks are. This happens with The Bachelorette, too, with the, with the men. So the people who aren't on the one-on-one, everybody else, will see the fireworks going off in the distance, and they'll know, oh, <laughs> that must be for them. They must be having this moment. That did not happen, as far as I can remember, this time around. It's not in my notes. But anyway, the fireworks are going off, and they start kissing, and Heather has her first kiss under the fireworks in Thailand, which... You know, I got to hand it to her. That's uh, pretty stellar. My first kiss was in the schoolyard in ninth grade. And people were like in a circle around me chanting. And it was awkward. I mean, hers was on TV too. But uh, be that as it may, we cut back to Elise and she's getting all dolled up. And she is angry. And her she's, a, she's curling her hair and her curler is just powered with her hot, bitter rage, you know? And she's wearing what the other women (laughs) refer to as her statement dress, which I love. I love that they're like, oh my God, she's in her statement dress. And as Heather returns from her very special, marvelously magical evening and begins to recount it to all present, Elise just gets up and swishes out that door. And now, now I get it. In true Leo fashion, she has dressed up to dump someone, and I love it. Interestingly enough, Elise's Venus and Mars are also like Heather's in Leo. So I'm telling you, the Libra difference is right here, right? Some might call it patience and diplomacy. Some might call it debilitating indecision. Uh, we can't also, we can't discount moon signs in all of this because the moon is the ruler of our emotionality. I also call the moon the drunk sign. Uh, I forget where I read that and I just, it really resonated with me and I've, uh, anecdotally noticed it. Like your moon sign kind of jumps out when you're inebriated. (laughs) Um, moon signs can be hard to ascertain without a birth time, but luckily in the case of everyone I'm speaking about, I think this episode, we can confirm their moon placement. So Heather's moon is in Aries and Elise's is in Sagittarius. And I think that really explains in a way Heather's confidence. 
we usually associate Aries with like an impatient energy, but it's also, I can see it aiding those Leo placements in this idea of like holding out for what you really want, which I think is cool. She's very powerful. And I have this feeling, you know, that <laughs> look out, you know, now that the cat's out of the bag, uh, the lion's out of the bag with her. So she might just uh, have a real kind of passionate awakening. And Aries is also not afraid of causing disharmony. In fact, I think they kind of thrive off of conflict. They kind of like to bicker. They like to butt heads. They like power plays. And I see that really at odds with her Libra son, which really wants like niceness and harmony and beauty. And like, even if that's not like real, you'd rather have, you sort of rather have a I don't know how to say it. They just really want everybody to get along and they're kind of willing to be the person that makes that happen. I would really love to know her ascendant, which we, we can't know without her birth time. I feel like that would really unlock a lot of the mystery that is Heather to me. So Elise shows up at Colton's and she says, can I steal you for a minute? And I thought that was adorable. And, you know, like I said, Elise has a Sagittarius moon. I also have a Sagittarius moon. So I understand Sagittarius moon problems. And a stereotype of this placement is that when the going gets tough, they peace the fuck out. Like, bye. And that's not, I mean, it's not, that's sort of the exaggerated stereotype, right? But that's true. Like Sagittarians will just move on. They're not really afraid of taking the leap. You know, they're, they're the archer. So they're sort of like, okay, we'll just point the arrow somewhere else, zoop, you know, and chase that. And I'm sure like, they're also known for being optimistic, which helps, right? Because they believe that, that something better is out there often, and they're not afraid to take that next step. And that's probably what got her, like, onto the show. She talks about that, like, chance to be stupidly happy. And, yeah, like, that's that's totally makes sense to be like, you know what? Let's just do this. Let's see what happens. Uh, and then that, like, adventurous spirit and that optimism smacks right into that Leo need to feel special. And, of course, all of that then collides with the structure of the show. And I would argue, I'm working on this, working it out to have a little bit of more of a unified theory, but I'm putting forward right now that the structure of this show acts almost like another transit that affects everybody in unique ways. Mm. And look, Elise is far from the first person to self-eliminate on this show. It happens all the time. And I actually think she's being pretty self-aware and mature and real, even if she can't, you know, she says it's not about insecurity and he's like, what is it? You know? And she said, you know, she'd, she'd rather he cut her loose than keep it up because it's breaking her heart. And she, she just can't accept a proposal after sharing time and attention. And, um, I don't know. I, I think the alternative would be for her to stay and, and have this feeling at the end, which is his greatest fear. 
And like, this is how you end up dating someone you don't really care about for eight fucking months. Sorry, Heather. Like, come on. So I find it, I find it kind of strange that when she left, it like triggered this fear in him that, you know, he wouldn't, he's not going to be not enough or whatever, which feels really similar to Ben Higgins' whole like unlovable thing. They're just like really bringing out the greatest hits for him. And, you know, insecurities are rarely logical. And I also think it's funny. It's like, dude, you're going to hurt way more people than hurt you. Straight up. That's just how this works, right? It's math. Okay. So then we have the giant jungle group date. <laughs> I have in my notes. And now it's time to eat bugs. They take a, ch- they take a bus to the jungle it feels really fear factory. And like, I would probably eat a bug if I had to in that context to survive. I've eaten crickets and stuff. I'm talking about a live one. Uh, and I would grab an eel out of a hole if I, if I knew some basic facts about that eel. And contrary to Colton's deep fear of snakes, I would totally let them drape a constrictor over my shoulders, a Britney Spears slave for you style. You can't see it, but I'm (laughs) doing the dance in my chair. And like cobras, rattlesnakes, vipers, asps, dart, dartin biters. Those are scary snakes. I respect, I have a healthy fear and respect of those snakes. And maybe it's just that I kind of grew up around constrictors, but I'm like, oh, they're just going to give you a hug. Nothing wrong with that. But I draw the line at the scorpion. And again, Tasha doing all kinds of things that are beyond a hard no from me. So that's cool. And frankly, Colton's the one being the big baby because, like, I'm sorry. Unless it's the anaconda from Anaconda or something. I mean, I'm not a snake scientist, but they rarely try to kill you because they're you're too big to eat, right? Even with an unhinged jaw. So what's the point? Um, I guess they do have teeth. You can they will bite in extreme cases. I feel like I'm getting really off topic in talking about how much I love constrictors. After the fear factor portion, they meet Joe, who I has a great vibe. I like him a lot. And he sets up a survivor, survivalist team challenge. This is, I don't know. I feel like I've seen them do some pretty grueling activities in the past. I'm thinking about the farm competition group date where they had to milk a cow or a goat or a goat and drink the goat milk. And they had to like catch a pig and all kinds of stuff that was uh, pretty intense. Uh, And this feels also really intense. Um, It reminds me a lot of Naked and Afraid, which is a great show for how it normalizes 
functional nudity or like the functional human body over the erotic human body, if I had to pinpoint it. And we've got teams. So we've got Kirpa, Sydney, Onyeka, and Kaylin. Demi, Hannah B, and Hannah Chi, who are like the bad news bears. I actually love this group. Uh, I think their energies play off of each other really well, and they bring out the best in each other. And I just love that about a squad, right? And then we've got Tasha, Nicole, Katie, and Colton on one team. So the Bad News Bears decide to creatively interpret their assignment, which tracks with Demi's record of creatively interpreting the assignment, and Hannah's too. Hannah G really likes to take whatever like task she's been given and act like the only thing she has to talk about is The Bachelor. So it all becomes about like her, you know, 14 days on the show so far. And then Demi, of course, just like, instead of telling a story, just goes and kisses him. So they uh, get Hannah B uh, to go along with their plan, I'm sure, to go drinking in the hotel. They get the bus on back while the rest of the women are doing the jungle stuff. And also speaking of team efforts, team dynamics, Tasha pulls the greatest Virgo power move of all time, which is to make a move and disguise it as administration and act like it, say it very authoritatively with a very waggy, pointy, uh, emphatic finger, and Katie and Nicole don't know what hit them. Tasha like, takes control of the situation, and she's like, okay, we gotta get all this stuff. You and you, you're on food. You and me, Colton, let's go get some water. All right, we'll meet back here and whatever. Got it? Break. And there it is. It's done. And she just, oof, I just, as a fellow Virgo son, just love to see someone organize their way to the top. Mm. Nicole and Katie then see them making out in the jungle. Uh, and that's not fun. How could it be? This is, you know, it's a halfway point. Things are getting hard. The group dates are going to get weirder and weirder. The vibes are going to be way more condensed. And yeah. The motions are going to be running high. I'm really proud of Tasha for shooting her shot. And as we find out later, it was like the perfect, you know, he really took it the right way. Yeah, way to go. Uh, it's just, it's tough that Katie and Nicole had to see it, right? Um, I really, so yeah, of course, then they like all come back together and they, uh, and you could drop your grubs all over the ground. The bad news bears roll up with champagne and cheeseburgers, which I thought was lovely. And they get away with it too, which I thought was lovely. Like even Joe is like, (laughs) he thinks it's hilarious. Um, so good for them. And like, yeah, like they're dirty cheaters, but you gotta, you gotta respect that when you see it, you know? So then, uh, meanwhile, back at the ranch, Cassie's date card arrives, and it says, I'm looking for a love deeper than the sea. 
And Cassie says she's ready for intimacy and physical touch, which is, as it turns out, some pretty clear foreshadowing. Clearly, they are not scared about being past life siblings anymore. But first, Hannah G compares the fight for Colton's time to the fight for survival, which is not appropriate. But if, like Hannah G, you woke up out of an inert, deep hypersleep 14 days ago, I can imagine how you would make that comparison. Um, and we haven't gotten reactions from the women on Elise's exit until now. Usually when someone leaves, there's a scene where, um, production comes and gets their suitcases. And that's how the contestants know that the, that their peer has left. And there's a big reaction around, around that. And we did not see that probably because I don't know, maybe because of how late it was and they all went to bed. Um, or maybe they just decided not to fit it in because so much else happened. Um, so then Tasha steals him first. Go Tasha. Yeah, I am team Tasha. I am not sure if she, uh, is going to make it till the end, but I would like that. I'm a big fan. It's, um, they seem really on the same page. And like I said, it's rare that like actions always get interpreted exactly how they're supposed to be. So I was really satisfied that Colton, really responded to her stealing him, making that, like, move in the jungle. And her jumpsuit's great. I want all the jumpsuits from this show. All of them. Then, um, Hannah B. decides she's gonna jump off the cliff and say the L word. And usually there's, like, a pretty distinct protocol for how this goes. And obviously it's not, like, a written protocol. It's one that has developed over time. And usually a contestant will say something like, I could fall. And then it's like, I am falling. And then, then step three or four is like, I do love you. Or I am in love with you. You always emphasize that second syllable. There's a lot of um, third person this week, too, which is a bummer. I really don't like it when people refer to themselves as in the third person. And Demi did it. And now Hannah's doing it. I think she's kind of desperate. And like she said, she she says she thinks she'd be good in the zombie apocalypse. Like something would kick in. And I want to believe her. I'm, I still would rather have Kaylin on my apocalypse teams. Like if we're picking apocalypse teams, Sydney and Kaylin are my top picks. Just saying. She says she's, you know picking everything apart, and he seems really scared that she's gonna also pull an Elise. And honestly, I feel like this is her lucky fucking day. Like, she just had really, really good timing. Because it's still pretty early, I think, in the season to be tossing out the L word. And a lot of times when a contestant does it too early, it makes the lead super uncomfortable. It brings home like like a train hitting them you know the seriousness of what's going on and their sort of obligation to the emotional stability and health of all of these people around them and I'm always reminded of that in Nick Vile's season it was like 
early on, every time a woman would say, I think I'm falling in love with you, he would visibly grimace and often send her home because he just, he couldn't handle it. However, Colton is feeling very uh, upset and insecure. And we saw it in his little vlog that he did with that pink tank top. He should really get a pink with more blue in it, I think, for his coloring. Um, Be that as it may. His eyes were really puffy. It was clear he had a rough night. And yeah, he's feeling insecure. And so I think this gesture on Hannah B's part that would normally be kind of maybe like a is received really well. And I just think, yeah, she got lucky. And okay, here's where the real meat, the real drama starts to double, double toil and trouble. Anika and Demi are having a girl chat and apparently Anika and Demi, uh, I'm sorry, Anika and Elise were close in the house and on her way out Elise Elise tells Onyeka that Nicole said that she is only doing the show for to find an opportunity to get out of her town she's trying to get out of Miami and she thinks that the bachelor is a good vehicle to do that which is true. Uh, not, it's true in the sense that that is a way to do that. <laughs> if you want to move to LA, doing The Bachelor is one way to do it. And of course, this puts Colton in panic mode because it's triggering of that fear. So, of course, he goes right to Nicole. And, like, in my head, as I'm kind of processing this revelation about Nicole, which I didn't like hearing, frankly, because I happen to like Nicole. I was like, she has a brother, though, that lives in Miami, who she, for whom she is the primary caregiver, and they're a package deal. So that doesn't exactly, like, it just doesn't seem like something someone would say who has this familial... Um, Obligation is the wrong word, but has a uh, extenuating circumstance of being a primary caregiver. We'll leave it at that. It just didn't track for me. And uh, I think Colton, for his part, is very bad at handling this stuff. And that's totally like Aquarian. And it's Aquarian sort of like not really understanding human drama. I have a very, very good friend who's an Aquarius, and in school, her nickname was Tron because she was so focused on other things that the human drama of, like, breakups and other things would not register with her until months later. She'd be like, oh, did these people break up? And they'd be like, yeah, Tron, months ago, where have you been? Because she was focused on other things. She had her head in the clouds, above the clouds, who knows? So I think that's a that's a uh, air sign specifically Aquarian thing. I also think Capricorn is really earth signs can be very uncomfortable with 
emotional displays. I think, you know, they tend to want to bring solutions to it. And instead of just, you know, being present with it, they want to solve the problem. And Nicole is really emotional. I looked up her chart. Now, Nicole is a Sagittarius. That's an an important note for later. And she has a Cancer Mars. So when she gets upset, she's going to cry. People give Cancers a bad rap for being crybabies. But they are emotional. And sometimes that doesn't express itself in tears. But let's just say, okay, this is a really great example. There are two bachelors who have chosen and gotten engaged to a woman and then changed their minds in favor of the runner-up, right? So the last one was Ari Leinzyke, who picked Becca Kufrin and got engaged and then changed his mind and now is married to Lauren Burnham. But before Ari, there was Jason Mesnick, who lives in Seattle, who he picked um, Melissa Roycroft and then wanted to uh, pick Molly instead. I can't remember Molly's last name. It's Mesnick now. And everyone compared the different, like, they were like, oh my God, Ari was so robotic. He was so unemotional. He was so like, it was so transactional. And like when Jason was struggling with this, he was like wailing on the balcony. He was so upset. And uh, yeah, Jason's a cancer and Ari's a Virgo. So that's a really good like breakdown, just a, just right off the bat of how these two kinds of people handle this kind of situation. One very analytically, almost with not enough emotion, and one very emotionally. So Nicole's Mars is in Cancer. She gets emotional. Onyeka, uh, it drives Onyeka bananas, clearly. And I'm going to pull up. I have Onyeka and Nicole's charts in front of me right now. Onyeka's Mars uh, is in Taurus. So again, she she doesn't really like understand necessarily that uh, that emotionality. But she's also really stubborn, so she doesn't like to lose arguments. So back in the group, I guess Nicole is talking to Colton at this point. Onyeka tells the group what she just did, and Tasha immediately comes to Nicole's defense. And the plot thickens. She says, I was there, and that's not what happened. And Isla is like, <gasps> and Demi's like, <gasps> she's all of us right now. But apparently, the actual quote, what Nicole actually said was, you have to take opportunities that change your life. I might also be paraphrasing, but that's what I heard. And that's such a Sagittarian thing to say. Like, what I was talking about with that, like, optimism and that willingness to leap. And the willingness to leave stuff behind of like, yeah, you sometimes you just got to take it. You got to ride that wave. You don't necessarily know where it's going to uh, dump you out. But if you have the optimism, you just assume it's going to be fine. And, you know, Elise was clearly filtering that through her mind state at that time, right? And through the show and the transit of the show. And I love uh, that Tasha 
as she's coming to Nicole's defense. And I wish, you know, maybe we didn't see it and maybe we'll see it later at some other time. I wish she had done that for Colton, you know, had like gone to clear it up because I feel like Colton trusts Tasha implicitly and would listen to what she has to say. And I love that Tasha's being very Virgo of being like, well, unfortunately you fucked up and now we're in this situation. So Nicole comes back and she's very upset and rightfully so, I think. And Demi is like speechless for the first time ever, just lapping up that conflict out of the air. And Tasha takes her aside to process. And Onyeka is just doubling down. And now, uh, now the problem is that Nicole cries too much, which is also air sign, air sign culture. And it's like, this is, this is the problem with Onyeka's whole argument is which is it? Is it that she's not invested enough or that she's too invested? I call bullshit on the whole thing. And then, so Hannah B gets the rose uh, because she uh, had that really great timing and happened to tell him exactly what he wanted to hear, exactly when he needed to hear it. Although I, I could have sworn when she thanked him, he was like, yeah, sure. So now we're leaving Nicole and Onyeka's drama to uh, simmer over a low flame during Cassie's one-on-one date. And they've been leaning really hard on this intimacy thing, right? So we know that this is imminent. And Cassie's moon and her Venus are in Aries. And that's like just sort of a real convergence of emotional love and love energy that is, like we said, you know, and it's um, impatient, it's passionate, it's kind of confident, it's fearless, in a sense. That makes a lot of sense, given what transpires. So they're spooning on a boat. And they head to this private island, which is a very tried and true trope in the Bachelor franchise, Going, being able to go to a private island. Though, this may be the smallest private island that they have ever had a date. It's like literally, there's nothing, there's nothing there. I'm sorry, if they don't want you to make out for two and a half, I don't even know, hours, don't put them on an island where it's literally just sand. And then the boat leaves. And of course, intellectually, I know that there are, uh, you know, camera people, boom mic operators, producers. There's actually a lot of people on this deserted island. But as the boat was leaving, I couldn't help but think of that episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, The Dennis System, where he talks about taking a woman on a boat because of the implication, you know? And um, I was just sort of like, ah, no, don't leave her there. Um, back at the hotel, the squad is talking about her date, and it reminds me a lot of um, Ben Higgins' season with Lauren B., Lauren Bushnell, and 
Brad Womack's second season with Emily Maynard, like all the women are like, oh yeah, hard eyes for Cassie. He like clearly is into her. He always takes her aside and like, you know, does something to show her he cares. And it's eerie. It really, really sounded similar. And it makes me think, she's got this. He, her and Hannah G, you know, I don't know anything about either of them, right? I mean, I, at least I know what they, they're, you know, Hannah G's a content creator. Cassie's a speech pathologist. That's it. And I think that's, uh, I think they're going to go really far because I just don't get it. <laughs> and that's how this works. Um, back to Cassie and Colton. They're kissing in the ocean. It's like, it feels like, for what feels like years, like years and years, I am getting older I have to dye my roots. And they're still kissing in the ocean. And then he has her back to his place. What could go wrong? And, you know, she says, I'm not a virgin. And that's hard to talk about. And first of all, great. That's one more thing I know about you. You're a 23-year-old speech pathologist. You're a Taurus. And you're not a virgin. Cool. And she says she's afraid of being judged by her family. For being open about her sexuality and it's like first of all I don't really think she needed to be that open like maybe it would come up at some other time or something but it's sort of like well then why even talk about it and second of all if you're upset about what your extended family is going to think of you do not go on the bachelor don't do it if you're scared what employers like if you care what people think about you it's not the right thing you know, I think about Charlene Joint, who is my favorite contestant of all time, Virgo Queen from Juan Pablo season, also a self-eliminator, by the way. And she's an opera singer. And that was kind of the perfect job to come on The Bachelor with because nobody that she works with at all in her industry has any idea what she did. It's like it doesn't even register for them. And I just think that's how you gotta do it if that's how you feel and they're in bed together and they're like oh I feel like I've known you forever which is like yeah because you're past life connected uh this reminds me of when actually when Brit went on that date with Chris Souls and then they took a nap I think they had to like wake up really early in the morning and go hot air ballooning and then they took a nap and she made the mistake of telling the other women that that happened and it was uh you know it wasn't good and I just hope Cassie uh, didn't share that because that's not something anybody wants to hear and in fact there's a lot of teasing in the next episode of women being <laughs> hearing things they don't want to hear about how intimate or whatever Colton is getting yeah I mean he says he's crazy about her and that he hopes she's just as excited as he is. So, yeah, I would say she's in the front. Um, it makes sense in a, in a way, like, Taurus is this Earth, it's big Earth energy, and Taurus in particular, they get, they get made fun of for being, like, the lazy Earth sign, because Virgo and Capricorn are, like, type A, go, 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 overachiever types, and Taurus are often considered like sleepy, lazy, love food, 
um in comparison like they're sort of like all the material they like all the material stuff of earth um but i you know i have a lot of friends who are tourists who are uh go-getters a lot of artists um someone my friend sarah had someone describe it to her as that their horns are like antenna that pick up cultural frequencies and i thought that was really great Long story long, yeah, Taurus energy is earthy, it's sensual, you know, it's comforting, it's uh, about the body. So I could see him, like, really responding to that and sinking into that, especially because, you know, he's got all that Capricorn, that uh, work, you know, is all about kind of denying, 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 or at least separating, 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 so it must feel really good to just, like, yeah, Settle into somebody's arms. So now it's time for the cocktail party. And, you know, I'm just going to say it. I don't think Demi is who you go to for advice on how to deal with other contestants interpersonally. Demi is great for when you're trying to, like, creatively interpret an assignment. She's great for when you want to have a good laugh, but maybe not great when you need, like, actually good friend advice, because I don't think she, I mean, she just, she clearly whipped Onyeka up, and really what she should have said was, maybe you should talk to Nicole about this before, or, like, bring it up, see who else was in the convo, do anything, any kind of due diligence before you just send it out into the world, right? So, understandably, the tension is thick, perhaps the th- at its thickest so far. And Tasha, who is on a fucking roll, gets one of those uh, flaming lantern things. I don't really, I don't know where we've landed on like the ecological impact of those, but they're fun to look at. I myself like to use wish paper. If you uh, want to duplicate that magic in a less sm- uh, on a smaller scale, I totally recommend using wish paper as an aside. Not my favorite dress of hers tonight, but definitely a lovely little moment. Um, speaking of lovely moments, I really liked what happened with Demi at this cocktail party. She gives him they, she gets the matching trust rings, which I've talked about. Approaching with a gift is always a very sweet gesture. And I got to say, when she said, I have a surprise for you, I was like, oh, no, what's she going to do now? Like, what kind of blindfold nonsense? And it was, it was I thought, a really um, earnest gesture, especially coming from her. And then um, Kirpa, who is a um, dental hygienist, I want to say, is She's some kind of dental professional, and she's cleaning his teeth, which is very intimate, and he has great teeth, so it's probably not gross. I don't love that in general. That's not my idea of a good time. But uh, go ahead, Kerpa. Uh, so Nicole pleads her case to Colton, but it, and it goes well. But then I think she makes a crucial mistake, a crucial mistake, which is that she 
then doubles like doubles back and says, well, I need to let you know that Onyeka is bullying me. And I'm not, I'm not sure that that was a good use of her time. And I understand she's emotional and she feels like a victim. She feels vulnerable, but that did not help matters. I think if she had just pled her case, he would have under, you know, he kind of would have been able to get there himself, maybe. Um, and now what happens, of course, because this is Colton and he doesn't know how to like get stuff out of people without snitching. Like he could just go back to Onyeka and talk to her without mentioning Nicole. He could also talk to other women uh, during their one-on-one time and just say, you know, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this because I want to get to know you. But have you noticed any bullying in the house? It's really important for me that I know if there's any bullying going on. That's all I would have had to say. So instead, he goes back to Onyeka, and of course, she denies, denies, denies. And I already kind of think Onyeka is full of shit. But then she she says, I would never call anyone mentally unstable. And then either in an ITM, I think, earlier or within sort of the same, you know, at least within the same week, she says, Nicole's a total psycho. And, oh, she also says, I'm a very nice person, but, which means I'm not a nice person. If you have to qualify, I love, it's such a reality TV thing to say, like, I'm nice until I'm not. Well, I think the definition of a nice person is someone who's nice, even when it's, even when they're a little bit annoyed, even when they're a little bit defensive. That's what defines a nice person. It's very easy to be a nice, like, very few people are just a bad, angry person, a bitch, say, all the time, right? But to say I'm nice until I'm not, that's a total cop-out. And, you know, Geminis get, of all the signs, Geminis probably get the worst rep, worst rep of them all. They get a lot of criticism for being two-faced specifically, and also, you know, for not really thinking before they speak. Now, a couple of famous Geminis I could throw out at you. I mean, they're also have the gift of gab. There are a lot of Gemini rappers, Azalea Banks and Biggie Smalls and Tupac Shakur, all Geminis off the top of my head. Kanye West, also a Gemini. Donald Trump, also a Gemini. So you get what I'm saying. Like, I feel like saying one thing, like saying I've never called anyone mentally unstable and then calling someone a total psycho is maybe in line with that kind of itchy Twitter finger that we ascribe to all of those famous Geminis. And so then, ugh, they have, Onyeka and Nicole have this extremely pedantic convo of what's emotionally unstable versus mentally unstable. And I think that's fascinating because Onyeka's Venus is in Cancer. So she she does have some romance, like that's a very romantic placement. That's Chris Harrison's placement. And a dear friend of mine alluded to, it also kind of is a traditionalist placement. It kind of is one that leans more toward gendered, you know, traditional gender roles, I guess. And 
um, Nicole's Mars is in cancer and, um, but they just can't like, they can't <laughs> make it work. They, they're having these, you know, kind of, um, failure to communicate and Onyeka's moon. So she has Gemini sun, Gemini Mercury, Sagittarius moon, which is like, yeah, she will just say stuff. And yeah, she's saying, she's saying lots of stuff. And that Mars and Cancer of Nicole's is jumping out and she's really not making a whole lot of sense either. Like they're really, you know, neither of them are coming out of this looking great. And everybody can hear it. And he's with Katie. Also not in my favorite dress tonight. You know, maybe it's just sort of like the midway slump. Not at my favorite outfits. Um, they're all still beautiful. And, you know, it occurs to me that we don't really know that much about Katie either. I really like her whole vibe, and I like the time they spend together, but uh, it looks like we're not going to get to know her a lot better this episode because the fight is so loud, it's distracting. And so Colton leaves Katie on the couch and goes and sits down next to Onyeka and Nicole. And as he approaches, they're like actively mid-fight. They both like hush immediately and put on fake smiles. And he's, and he says, please continue, keep talking. And it was just like such a Capricorn, like daddy move of like, Oh, it's such a, such a dynamic of like, oh no, the teacher's coming over, um, which I feel like could be really sexy, you know, in a certain setup, but here it doesn't feel like something that's in their favor. And, um, Nicole is just at this point too worked up to play this right. I feel like as she had been able to sleep on it. And not be in that moment, maybe she would be able to plead her case a little better. And then there's this great shot of Katie, back to Katie, looking really bored and regal. And Colton's listening to them and just gets fed up and walks off. And Onyeka follows and he rebuffs her. And then he does the same thing to Nicole. And this is like narrated, by the way, by the by the surveillance of the other women who are like, you know, peering over their shoulders off the couch. And he is, you know, he's over it. His air sign, earth sign, he can't, you know, the emotions too much. He's, he's done. And he stomps off into the to be continued. So that's interesting. Some seasons, they've really played with the structure of the show, which pretty classically is as hewn to the way it's gone this season, where the rose ceremony is at the end of the episode. And then, you know, they're sort of like, a, okay, we're all here. Cheers to the next week. And then they do some limo exits simultaneously. And then we go into the previews for the next week. But in some seasons, there have been episodes and sometimes multiple episodes where they do that to be continued. And they pick up with the rose ceremony at the beginning of the episode and I can't remember, there was one season where they were just really doing that a lot. And it felt, it was, it was interesting because it felt 
discomforting because we've gotten so, you know, we get really, really used to the structure of the show and, and we find comfort in that structure despite all of the kind of nasty emotions and fraught emotions that are swirling around. And, um, yeah, it looks like things get even more intense next week. We've got, it looks like Hannah G getting all kinds of muddy with him. And it also looks like, um, everybody, just everybody's crying. So we'll see if we stay in Thailand, if we go on to some other location where all of this um, goes down. Uh, I've been talking for far too long, so I am going to sign off until next time, and if you want to keep the conversation going, please find me at starsandroses underscore podcast on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you. I'll be (laughs) going back. I have all the time codes for all of the amazing facial expressions everyone's been making, and I'll be uploading (laughs) some memes and some GIFs and such to Instagram over the next week. So thank you so much for being on this journey with me and I can't wait to see where it goes.